0: Hey friends, you're listening to Why This? A podcast where a couple of food scientists learn why people love the things they love. Today's topic, mushroom hunting. Welcome to Why This? As always brought to you by DraftLab. DraftLab helps food and beverage producers improve the taste and quality of their products with best in class sensory software tools and training. Visit draftlab.com to learn more or reach out to us on social media if you're interested in becoming a better taster. I'm your host, Lindsay Barr, with my co-host, Matt Conyer. All right, we're talking, we're talking mushrooms today. We're talking mushroom hunting today. It's mushroom season, so um, we felt like it was appropriate. I've dabbled a little bit in the art of mushroom hunting. Not much. I definitely don't trust myself. And uh, my guest today is actually the person who taught me all I know, which was really not much. Matt, what's your experience with, with mushroom hunting?
1: Uh, mushroom hunting? Absolutely none. I I, I don't have a, a mushroom uh, master to help teach me what to do when I go in the woods. Otherwise, I would probably hurt myself. And and it's probably something that we should say to anyone listening to this is if you're going to do this, you really kind of need to know what you're doing. And I know I wouldn't be able to handle that. But, uh, but mushrooms in general is something that we deal with quite a bit in sensory, right?
0: I feel like we talk about mushrooms a lot because it's kind of like the quintessential training tool to teach about umami, like the umami taste. Definitely. Because um, it's a little bit more of a vague taste. So we like to use analogy, so uh, tomatoes and mushrooms, it's like that kind of MSG yummy flavor, and it's very present in, in mushrooms, which is why they're typically kind of used for meat substitutes. Um, so yeah, we, we I feel like we talk about mushrooms a lot, but we never really get into mushroom hunting. So I am excited to talk with our guests today. We've been friends for quite some time. We've judged beer competitions together. We've done research projects together. Uh, we've even built a couple of beers together. So we're very familiar with kind of the the product development side of things. His name is Ross Koenigs, and he is currently the owner and brewmaster of Aurora, Colorado's hottest new brewery called Second Dawn Brewing. Uh, he owns and manages that place with his wife, Amy. Um, but during mushroom season, he cannot be found anywhere because he's hiding in little secret caves, (laughs) finding and gathering his little treats, his little mushroom treats. So Ross, what is, uh, what, if you could just kind of generalize your relationship with mushroom hunting, what would your relationship with mushroom hunting be? And how secret are your secret patches, mushroom patches?
2: Um... Top secret, probably CIA level clearance, maybe NSA, so uh, my relationship to mushroom hunting, I've been doing it for almost 20 years or so now. Uh, I had a really good friend of mine uh, back in college uh, that introduced me to the hobby and you know, after the first time I was just hooked. So I grew up in Wisconsin, so uh, a lot of woodlands, uh, typically a very, you know, kind of moist and humid climate to begin with. So uh, really good for uh, hunting for certain species of mushrooms. Uh, Primarily the morel mushroom is the biggest one that I hunt for, but also uh, spend some time hunting chanterelles, oysters, maitakes, chicken of the woods and stuff.
0: Yes, I can't wait to hear more. So we asked you to come up with your top three reasons why mushroom hunting is something that people love and are passionate about. Um, So let's get into it. What's your first reason?
2: My first reason really is just it's a really good excuse to go take a walk in nature and especially take a walk in the woods. Uh, You know, I grew up playing golf and like, you know, it's kind of like the, I don't know, it's a poor substitute for mushrooms. You know, it's uh, just being out in nature, getting fresh air, you know, spending time in the woods, just being really like tuned into uh, what's going on in, uh, in the local climate, uh, local topography, all that sort of good stuff. There's always new interesting things to observe and just be even if you don't pick any mushrooms, it's still just a really nice way to spend an afternoon.
1: so that that makes a lot of sense. So you you go out into the woods and you kind of have to be, I'm guessing switched on and looking for these things all the time. So you actually get to be a part of the environment and soak it in. And is is that kind of how that all started? Like, how do you make the jump from, from golfing and walking around and doing that into mushroom hunting?
2: Um, I think more so than anything, it's just something that it's a little bit more, how should I say, uh, ecologically friendly. Uh, you know, you can feel a little bit better about like spending time in nature than like doing, There's nothing against the game golf, I still play it, but uh, I just kind of prefer being out in the world uh, unsullied by humans, you know?
0: Just your fungi friends is all. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. First fungi joke, congratulations.
0: Okay, what's your next reason?
2: My next reason, um, it's extremely ephemeral, you know, it's like, it's one of those things, especially when you hunt morel mushrooms, uh, really the season at most is about a month long. And so it's like, it it really grounds you. It's like, you know, I kind of start, you know, there's almost like this itchy part of my brain, you know, kind of mid to late April into like early May that it's just like, Uh, the mushrooms are coming up, gotta go, gotta go pick some morels. And so, you know, it's a, it's something that you really can't quite recreate anywhere else.
1: So walk me through this a little bit. So is there, there's a time when you're kind of scouting for areas and for mushrooms and then is it always in kind of the same places or are you looking somewhere new every season? And then, and then you mentioned the signal that goes out. Do you have a feel for that signal? Or is it like, do you check it often? Like how does that, the schedule of this work?
2: Yeah, so um, yes to all of those things. So uh, really it's kind of, uh, maybe like looking for the signals, like you can find other associative like nature markers. Like, um, you know, I do it, you know, we'll use morels as the example, but it's like, you know, typically you'll see uh, certain Uh, species of tree that are starting to send out flowers at what point in their development uh, they have certain like color gradation like you can see it in the environment it's like okay like at the very least you know that seeing flowers coming out on a specific tree all of a sudden probably means that the climactic conditions are conducive to mushrooms fruiting you asked just how am i scouting for new areas other stuff like that all the time, you know, like when you're in those spots, you generally know kind of the different topography, the other places. And so like as you're checking out a certain spot, you're also like kind of driving other places that kind of look like it. And so you want to you're looking for mostly dead and dying trees. But, um, you know, here in Colorado, uh, it's also burn scars are a big thing. Has it recently burned? All those sorts of things that can
1: also help point you in the right direction. Man, there's a lot there's a lot to this. I didn't know it it, it went so deep right away. Wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, Did you have like a, a mushroom mentor?
1: Absolutely. Um, So
2: my, uh, my friend that I went to undergrad with uh, him and his dad really taught me in in a really loving way. They kind of treated me like a small child where it's like, they'll kind (laughs) of point you in the right direction. They're lucky. And then they just kind of sit and stand there just like, so what do you see? What's going on? I'm just, I sit there and look at it and I'm just like, ah, oh, crap, I don't see anything. But like, you sure about that? You know, morels give like a really, it's a really unique like honeycomb pattern. The cool part about hunting morels is, um, you know, there aren't any uh, poisonous or non-edible mushroom species that really look like it. And so it's like, it's easy to identify and especially when you see it, it's like, okay, I know it's a morel. It, nothing else looks even close to
1: it. It really makes sense that mushroom knowledge is kind of handed down from person to person. Even just hearing about all the different things that go into this, you know, if I were to read a book and then try to go out and do some of this stuff, there's no way I would be confident enough to do anything.
0: Yeah, it's like nobody would read a book on open heart surgery and then just like go (laughs) perform open heart surgery. Like you don't want to kill somebody. And in this case, you don't want to kill yourself. Okay, great. Let's look at reason number three.
2: Yes. So I think it was really related to what we were just talking about, though. It's like, it's the like socialization, communal aspects of it, you know, you make a bunch of cool uh, morel dishes. You know, typically we do it where it's like, you know, we'll cook morels like four or five different ways. We'll make pastas out of it. Uh, we'll stuff them, we'll deep fry them, you know, just do all sorts of cool stuff. But it's like, it's a really cool way to like celebrate the season, celebrate it with friends and family. um, You know, it's just this really fun social aspect, even if you're not necessarily going out and hunting as a big group, you at least get to either bring people along or like get to invite people in for a meal.
0: I'll always remember that you gave me like 50 morels the day before I moved from Colorado to New York. And that seemed... Like that was very generous, Uh, but presumably, like you, you got way more than you gave me. I I, like estimate like he probably got ten times that. So, did you really? Is like five hundred a good haul? Is did you give me your entire haul? Like, what did?
2: Yeah, that year was particularly good. I think I, I think that weekend alone, I think I picked something like eight full like paper grocery bags full. I mean, just an obscene amount of mushrooms. So yeah, I was giving them away like mushroom Santa Claus there. Yeah, you know we'll typically we'll go through. uh, You got to go through and clean them, uh, get all the bugs out, get all the sand and the grit and the grime out of it. Um, Yeah, we'll pack a decent amount away. Uh, We'll do typically we'll take about a third of our stash. Will be just fresh to eat. Over they keep about two-ish weeks in the fridge, something like that. Um, If you have plans for a lot of mushroom things, they will keep in the freezer. They do degrade maybe after like a month or two, but they do freeze okay. But really the best way for long-term storage is just to get a food dehydrator and uh, dry them down. Uh, They'll keep for, couple of years if you keep them under the right conditions. Uh, when you get them really, really fresh, they have this really subtle flavor of anise uh, that along with like this kind of meaty, umami flavor, uh, it almost has this really kind of like floral and spicy component to it that uh, really unique, uh, pairs really nicely with like, you know, a lot of the typical spring uh, foods, you know, your dills, your lemons your asparaguses, uh, your garlic scapes, all that sort of good stuff. So it really, it's a a versatile ingredient for cooking as well. Uh,
1: I I liked, you know, you talking about the social aspects and it's, I guess it's a little surprising because when we talked about mushroom hunting in the beginning, Lindsay, it was mostly like it's secretive. You're, no one's supposed to know you're going out there. If you see somebody else, it's going to be really, is it competitive at all? Like, or how, how does that part of it work? So
2: it can be. I have a buddy that mushroom hunts in uh, in Washington state. He's walked onto land where there's like professional mushroom hunters that like are, you know hunting burn scars or something like that that are, you know going to go make tens of thousands of dollars on mushroom hunts. Like he's literally had guns pulled on. They're just like, you need you need to get back in your car and you need to go away.
1: So we got on their turf.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it. some of them, like, they're not messing around. Like, they will, they're like, yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, if you want to, if you want to roll the dice, I'm not sure anyone's really going to find you, sort of thing. So, like, people get serious about it. Um, that's pretty atypical, you know, like, not... Like not every mushroom hunter is like walking around strapped and like you know get off my turf sort of a thing. Yeah, I don't
0: need to be packing if I go out. <laughs> oh
2: no, 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 no! You know you have like a circle of trust around you. Like I have friends around here that um, you know will give each other tips and spots, or at least like you can get them in the right spot. And if they know what they're doing, they'll find.
1: Lindsay, we need to learn the mushroom code. I don't think we. I don't think we, we know really the code do. of the mushroom yet. <laughs>
0: Ross, what is the most unusual place you've found mushrooms?
2: I'd say one of the coolest, maybe not unusual, but a cool spot was um, there was, I was hunting in this place. It was a bunch of river bottoms. And uh, you could tell like this big storm had swept through and literally like gale force sort of winds. And it took this dead cottonwood and literally just blew i mean the thing was probably 15 20 foot in diameter the tree trunk was and literally these winds just took it and basically like toppled it like a matchstick and then in the coming years it rained really heavily and it made like this big sinkhole and so like literally took a flashlight into the sinkhole and you know since mushrooms grow off of, like the roots of trees i literally like basically tied myself up it was almost like i was going into a cave under this tree and it was just like everything around me i just fly shine my flashlight in there and it's just literally just morels everywhere
1: it's like opening opening a a tomb in egypt like with your (laughs) trying to and then seeing all these mushrooms hanging down that's great
0: yeah well that was that was very fun i learned a lot um matt do you have anything to to add and wrap up before we say goodbye
1: I guess it's just, man, the, the depth of knowledge that goes into this uh, is uh, pretty astounding. And it also reinforces the fact that I should not go out there and do any of this unless I have a mentor <laughs> or something like that to, to share share the info with.
0: I'm really impressed with us for getting through this whole episode with only one pun, with only one fungus pun. And I'm I'm gonna keep it that way. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much for coming on, Ross. Uh, where can people learn more about you, more about your brewery, and, and find you in your brewery?
2: Yeah. So uh, it, I would recommend the biggest thing is go to seconddawnbrewing.com. Uh, check out our website. Uh, if you do the Instagram or the TikTok thing, we uh, our hashtag is at second Dawn beer. Uh, I recently, uh, published a book with the Brewers Association on, uh, brewing with hemp. Uh, so if you are interested in that type of subject, uh, feel free to pick up my book. Uh, yeah. Check out second Dawn. Uh, if you're in mm-hmm. town come through the Denver area, we're like 10, 15 minutes from the airport. We're an easy first or last stop and, uh, we're doing some cool stuff and yeah, definitely come by, check us out.
0: Amazing. Can't wait to get out there. Why This is produced by the team at Draft Lab, where we help companies demystify consumer experiences through flavor analysis. To learn more, reach out through our website, and of course, like, subscribe, do all of those things. Thanks for being here.
2: They went out and told a bunch of people, and uh,
0: you know, so that it's kind of one of those that like, well, you're out of the circle now.